Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, John Stevens, Angela Peterson, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Bayonet Brewing Co., Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Sarah Allmark, The Sociable Beer Company, and The Small Batch Brewing Co., so I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast this evening, Darcy from Blackjack Beers, based in Manchester. Blackjack was launched in 2012 and has made a significant contribution to the development of the amazing Manchester craft beer scene, not only through their brewery, but also through their Glassworks beer distribution business and through the network of pubs and tap rooms. Darcy, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to becoming part of Blackjack. Good evening, Rob. First of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's, uh, it's really nice to be on here, so it's uh, been looking forward to coming on and uh, having a chat about what we do. Yeah, for me, I've been in the beer industry now probably for over, well over a decade, about 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my young life as wanting to be a, um, a geologist, an exploration geologist, oh, cool. into my science and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And I think certainly anyone else in the earth sciences will tell you that they enjoy having a pint after a full day of field work so yep. <laughs> naturally you know yeah exactly naturally the interest was peaked into beer mm-hmm. um, I started working in bars and very quickly the idea of going and working off shore on uh, oil rigs etc yep. sort of slipped away and the fa- fascinating world of hospitality beer and the way it's made really really caught me and sort of dragged me through the last 15 years so okay. <laughs> from sort of bartender to cellarman to brewery worker to brewery owner in the end great and what was your you know from the consumption perspective what was your beer journey so you know i'm guessing you started out drinking cask and and maybe macro lagers i've got a very strong memory of i mean i must have been 11 or something Mm -hmm. and my dad festooned upon me in the local pub a pint of boddington's cask yep this must have been well many years ago now and i tasted it went oh that's horrible and it was one of those one of those sort of landmark things where, you, you know, your dad says in his wise words, like, one day, son, that'll be the, the making of you. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. So it started then on Boddington's and really very much thanks to him, my dad, um, yep. who's got a real keen eye for, for beers and independent pubs and that kind of thing. Obviously, I did the student with the lagers and, you know, that kind of thing. But really, I was very much into cask beer, definitely mm-hmm. from a young age unusual well as everyone else would be having the macro lagers over the bar i'd be still be on the boddington's in the local and right. interested what the region has to say about beer not in a particularly made up joined up way but certainly it was of an interest to my collective mind like i found right. it fascinating that you could go one pub to another on a street and get a completely different spectrum of beers and especially yeah. in somewhere like manchester where you've got Back then, really, the family brewers were holding all the estates. Yep. So you could, although they were mostly brown beers, mm. you could still have a Holtz's, a Lee's, a Hyde's, etc., and yeah. really see the impacts that they had on their venues and their beers. And that's where the fascination started for me, really, nice. was on the cask beers, yeah. And Boddington's, um, so I grew up drinking cask beers, and I distinctly remember drinking Boddington's cask, you know, in the, I guess, the 
late 80s, I'm thinking maybe early 90s. And it was a very distinctive pint, wasn't it, in those days? Very different from the, as you say, the sort of the old men's brown beer that uh, that most of the family brewers were producing at that stage. It was that that real sort of pale colour and it, you know, it jumped out of you from the glass, didn't it? It certainly is. It's definitely a, I mean, I'm from South Manchester, just to sort of graphically put it on. So the, the land of Robinsons and they've always had a long history with like the double hop of making very pale bitters. Right. And it's sort of a Cheshire style. So yeah, Boddington's and Northern style bitters, that golden, really bitter flavour. Okay, so sun. maybe it wasn't just Boddington's. It was it was the yeah. only one I was, I was drinking in the southeast anyway at that time that, that had that appearance, I think. Um, yeah, there's a few Manchester ones. With- and just one more thing I wanted to challenge with, with your introduction there. And you say you could walk down the street and, and drink a, an amazing array of uh, different cast beers. I couldn't. I lived in, I grew up in Hemel Hempstead and, uh, and there, Eindkoop owned all the pubs, basically. Mm. And when I say all the pubs, probably something like, 43 or 44 out of 50 of the pubs belonged to Ein Coop, and they were all branded as their Benskins brand, which was a, <laughs> a brewery that, that was independent in Watford, uh, based out of Watford, you know, decades earlier, but, but you know, was scooped up into the horrible, evil Ein Coop conglomerate. And, yes. uh, and so, you know, you had a choice of Benskins or Burton Bitter, and you walk down the street and 25 yards, and there's another Benskins pub, and you had a choice of Benskins or Ein Coop Bitter, and then another 100 yards. And the same and the same and the same. And it was sickeningly homogenized to the point where it didn't stop me going to the pub, of course, but it was it was terrible that there was so little choice. And you'd have to actually make a conscious effort to go somewhere, you know, five, ten miles away to actually be able to escape that monopoly. Mm. Um, God hope we we never get back to, to that situation. <laughs> anyway. So back to you, Darcy. So yep, you were drinking cask in the early days. What's your earliest recognition or recollection, I should say, of craft beer, modern American craft beer, let's call it. Um, Modern American craft beer. I mean, other than the bits and bobs that were appearing from Stone and that in the supermarkets, which are basically out of my budget when I was a student back right, yep, sort sure. of early 2000s, it would be untouchable stuff. Mm-hmm. It would really be looking at, I mean, it's going to be Brewdog, but yep. it's going to come from a position where I was, I'd already working in the hospitality trade. Uh, I'd become a cellarman in one of the biggest cask selling pubs in it was Punch Taverns, in fact, one of the biggest right. cast selling pubs, the, the Ladybrook in Bramall. Massive seller, brilliant, absolutely loved running that cellar. And it was the early days for Brewdog, and they brought out Trashy Blondes. Right. And, ooh, I'm going to struggle for some of the other ones. But they were in cask. Right. It was yeah, the yeah, very early days, and they yeah, were doing yeah. the cask. And obviously, our throughput with all the tied lines would be, you know, you can't touch anything on keg. No. But all of a sudden, you were getting something we were coming from like an Ockles or coming from guest beers from regional brewers. Yeah. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this luminous pink spiky pump clip comes out of nowhere <laughs> and it's on the bar and you've got Simcoe and it's literally, I can remember being in that cellar and venting mm. that cask and going, what the fuck is in that? Wow. Because it just it. hit yeah. my nose. What a great experience. And it was, I never had the pleasure, I'm afraid, of, of Brewdog. Uh, yeah, very Brewdog. early days. We yeah. never... Punch wouldn't let us have Punk IPA on cask, unfortunately. Oh. But we got Trashy Blonde and there was a, the early days of one of the red beers. I can't remember it now, I'm afraid. Right. That's when all of a sudden it clicked with me. I was like, oh, actually, there's more out there than what I'm getting from the regional range from Feekston's, for instance, or yeah. whatever else I could get my hands on. It was very much, a, I was allowed free on the purchasing book, okay. but the purchasing book was very beige. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's Brewdog appears, and then some other people started. Marble, another great example. Mm-hmm. They came onto the list there. And again, Lagonda, Ginger, it just absolutely blows your mind yeah. when you're, you're coming from even a massive sort of turnover of cask. But they were the real, real changes that made me think, oh, actually, there's people doing this. 
they're yeah. not just companies you know it's it's small groups of people actually making incredible beer it's did you have fantastic. any visibility of the pricing of the casks from the likes of Brewdog and Marble in those early days? You know, did you recollect whether it was significantly more extensive than the Theakstons or? It was. I mean, we were. It was a. It was a tied managed venue, so like we we didn't really get to look at a lot of the P and L. But right, you, what we'd get is on the list you'd get all your standard beers, and you'd have your GP, so yep. your, your gross profit potential yeah. on pricing, and you'd have a list of them, and there'd be loads and loads of green ones, meaning you'd be fine. A couple of like tailors would get in there and they'd be like, landlord would always come up as Amber. It's like, well, don't have that on all the time because you don't hit your GP. Yep. And right at the bottom was all of the Ciba direct delivery scheme as it was back then. And Brewdog in bright red, <laughs> like terrible GP, you know, awful. Yeah, don't yeah. buy this. Whatever do not do, make this your house beer. Get a taste for this. Otherwise we're doomed. Yeah. <laughs> And I know, like, how many can I, how many, how many Green King IPAs do I have to buy to get one nine? Oh, yeah, so I didn't really get to see the yeah. pricing, but I knew it wasn't. Well, I mean, I'm not saying it's more expensive because you're making a better product out of it, which is always something to consider. But yeah, yeah, my managers, the area managers weren't very happy when I was like, how many more brew dogs can I buy? <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> so, what was the next step from there then, from the punch tavern? So, I followed on uh, some great managers that I had, um, Sean Crompton and Jamie Hurst who I'd worked with at the Ladybrook for many years. I moved on after there was a managerial change at Punch Taverns. Right. Essentially, I'd spent the last previous five years turning their Bombardier and Green King lineup on into basically eight wickets with all different changing independent beers. Right. Spent a long time. We were the biggest cast-producing pub, and our wing of Punch Taverns got bought out by Green King. And what they did is they went, you ripped it all, they ripped it all out. We're going to put on Abbott Ale, drinking IPA and you can have one guest beer from the estate. And I just literally walked out that day. Good work. Yeah. But then anyway, I ended up walking. I didn't really get much choice after that because I ended up working for Holtz's, um, who I hold dearly under the wing of um, Jamie and Sean. They offered me straight away a job, Salomon. And I'd moved from handling 49 gallon casks a week mm. to handling nine 36 gallon casks a week. Ooh. Yeah. So we were smashing through more than a brewer's barrel in a single cask like every day it was absolutely wow. brilliant so yeah. different sort of thing again another sort of learning curve yeah but in terms of getting out of, re- of hospitality and retail it was um i got a job at marble okay yeah so those days you know only a few years earlier i was absolutely fascinated by what lagonda in particular could do yeah. how much flavor you could get out of a beer like pint yeah and i applied to be their sort of warehousing and sales guy I turned up and unbelievably I got the job, which I was absolutely blown away by. I thought it was it was it was pretty unbelievable. Mm. I mean, the story I get told is that I was the only one that turned up looking uncomfortable in a shirt. Okay. Which by they took, they meant that I might actually be up for doing some work. Everyone else turned up in sort of suit with tie and briefcase, and I looked yeah. turned up in my my dad's shirt sort of thing because I'd just been working in hospitality for years. But yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was your, your enthusiasm for the product that uh, that landed you the job. I just think you're being uh, probably being modest, Darcy. But what year was that you joined the you joined Marble? Would have been around 2012, I believe, the okay. summer of 2012. All right. So we're talking yep. still nine years ago. So yep. what was the nature of their business at that time? So they had they had pubs already at that stage. Yeah. So yep. Marble beers like established for many years at that point. Yep. They have obviously the flagship, which I don't think they mind me saying is the Marble Arch itself. Sure on the corner of Rochdale Road and Gould Street. Mm-hmm. And that's where the original brewery, foreshadowing yep. there, 
the original brewery, was based. Um, not long after I'd started, they'd moved a new 11-barrel brewery mm. into a railway arch just down the road from uh, the Marble Arch itself. Right. Down the road from there, there's, um, there's some uh, railway arches, and they'd moved a brand-new kit in there, and I was part of the staff extension to move on. And at right. that time, they still had the Thomas Street venue, which mm-hmm. is more of their craft sort of thing in the northern quarter. Yeah. And they also had the beer house in Chorlton, which was more of their sort of local regulars sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a good brewery, good size with a few venues and you know, good quality products and a good history already to it. Definitely. And so how, how long were you at Marble? I only stayed for just over a year. Um, mm-hmm. And I went on immediately, as in the next day, to start my journey at Blackjack. Okay, great. So that was 2013-ish then, yeah. 2012, 2013, rather okay, been going right, for yeah. about 12 years, yeah. That's right, yeah. for 12 months. Yeah, so, so they're very early days at Blackjack. So, so what was the nature of Blackjack when you joined them? So coming back to my foreshadowing, Rob Hamilton, the founder of Blackjack, yep. also worked for Marble for many years as driver, okay. uh, brewer. He was uh, landlord manager of the Marble Arch for a long time as well. Right. Okay, well known in the you know well known in the early days of the beer industry. Yeah, and he decided he wanted to go off and uh, create his own his own destiny, really, be his own mm-hmm. boss, you know, do his own thing. And what happened was that as they moved out of the Marble Arch. Yep. into the other city they had the original five and a half barrel brewery was up for yep. sale okay and, J- and jam was very kind to say to rob well very kind he paid money for it don't get me wrong yeah to say yeah of course you can buy got, our old kit got first refusal lock. on it yeah nice. first refusal lock stock yep. and barrel and five arches down from where the marble were blackjack was set up by rob on his own fantastic yeah nice yeah he's, he, he took on his own destiny and thought i'm going to do it on my own do my own thing when you came in, were you employee number two or were there other staff at that stage? So there was Rob yep. and me. That was it. Okay. So I came on initially to do sales, but also to make sure everything was operating properly. Rob wanted to brew the beer and go and see the people. He didn't want to answer the phone, do no. the stock taking and make sure the accounts are right and stay late with the accountant and stuff like that. So no, from day one, it that. was no one wants to do it, but I've ended up <laughs> doing it. So. Yeah, so from day one, it was pretty deep in, in the business, and it was me and him and a fairly empty-looking archway at the time with the yeah. small kit in there. Yeah. And so how did the how did the business develop then over, over the next few years? What, what stage did the distribution side of things get off the ground? So Rob was obviously brewing and delivering direct all over Manchester, Leeds, you know, the standard sort of northern areas. Yep. Um, direct. Well, the beauty is you've got such a strong market. In, in that area that you don't, you know, you can do it all sort of in, I guess, you know, relatively reasonable driving distance from that base in Manchester. That, that, that's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. That's exactly that. And I say we were in, in this railway arch and it was very cavernous and mm. two chaps that were well into the sort of burgeoning craft, craft beer scene of sort of 2012, 2013, when it was yep. starting to sort of break through the cracks. And it was, um, it was Joe Bird and Jonathan Hartley and they'd started their little company yeah. Um, mainly because Joe Bird knew Andrew from Wild Beer. Oh yeah. One of the founders of, of Wild Beer. He just he used to work for him in a pub. Again, similar story coming up through hospitality. Nice. And they were focused on doing events and stuff. And they thought, well, it makes sense, business-minded. Let's buy a pallet of beer, get it cheap, we cheaper rather. Yeah. And then we could uh we can put that on the bar, make a bit more profit, and we'll sell the excess. Okay. And they started with Wild Beer and a couple of others, and it very quickly snowballed into people would wanted the beer. Right. And very quickly, their time was taken up with, oh, actually, people want this beer. We can't run the events anymore. Yep. But they found they found Rob in the pub and knew that he had the archway. Yep. And he offered them a sort of like-for-like like 
rent there basically. Okay. So in exchange for helping out bits and bobs, they'd get a free storage unit, you know, every now and then. And it got to the point where we were driving vans to the same cities right. independently, yeah. two separate companies doing very similar things. And I think it must have been around 2015, the three of them, so that's Rob, Joe and John, yep. all decided to uh, incorporate together and Blackjack right. Beers and Glassworks Drinks mm-hmm. uh, merged together. Nice. And yeah. is that still a significant part of, of the business? So at the moment, we are, we're not operating Glassworks as it stands at the moment right. due to the pandemic. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll probably get onto that after my tales of we will, later yeah, on. Yeah. Park that thought, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so that's, that. been, that's been mothballed for two years now, I guess. Um, yeah, for just about two years. Yeah. Um, but originally, it was we'd be looking at about sixty percent wholesale and forty percent blackjack, for instance. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you've got to understand that the, the margins on you ask anyone that's in the wholesale business, the margins are so tiny, yes. and the work is very high. Like it's an intense amount of work. Right, especially when you're trying to offer all different types of beers rather than you know stocking one big brand. Sure, you know, we yeah, were getting yeah. pallets with from Siren with eight different types of bottles on it back in the day, and yeah, it's stock control and all the fun and games of trying to sell it to people. But sure. there's a lot of work. But yeah, no, it was it was a really busy time, and it grew and grew and grew up until probably it would have been when yeah, well, until basically until the pandemic, there wasn't any yeah. plans to slow down. Yeah. Well, let's so say let's stick a pin in that. Uh, and talk about this first beer. I see this is your Pilsner Pivo, 4.4%. And the brief tasting notes I have say a super crisp, super clean, super bright, snappy Pilsner with 30-day conditioning. Perfect first beer of the day. Um, we were just saying before we hit the button. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, lovely, you know, does does exactly what you claim. It's it's lovely, easy drinking, nice flavour profile to it, though. It's uh, has a, a nice sort of hoppy bite to it, a little bit of bitterness. Good, just a, a really flavoursome Pilsner. This is one of your core beers, I think. Is an art, you call it Arch 34 Cores or something, is it? Is that right? Yeah, so we've, obviously, we got a new brewery in, uh, in 2020, which seems strange 2021 is nearly over um yeah, yeah we got a new not a new brewery and um a big part of the construction and design of that was to make sure that we can make crispy tasty lagers yeah and so that's why they're called arch 34 that's okay. where the new brewery is based right it's just nice and simple for now we'll have a little tickle on the branding at some point but um mm-hmm. yeah arch 34 so it's a lot of work's gone into these beers and mm. it's it's basically even though we are conditioning you know over 30 days in tank it's still our biggest selling brand easily now. Okay. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to put it in for the two beers we try. Sure. Is to show a bit of diversity in what we do, because that's kind of what we're about these days. It's right. being able to do a Pilsner, being able to do a West Coast Pale, being able to do a New England IPA and a Sour or whatever. Yeah, It's definitely. about hitting a large range. And that comes back to what we do in the bars now, really, in the brew tap. So. But yeah, I mean, the Pilsner, it's, it's, as you say, it's... Um, we ferment it really cool. We make sure it's naturally um, kept down, and we we do a stepped cooling process through fermentation until it's it's, it's final gravity. Right. We try and do everything we can to make it authentic. Yeah. We use the pressurized dual purpose vessels we have, which we mm-hmm. box off during the fermentation to ensure that we're actually getting quite a lot of natural carbonation in these beers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Although we do have carbonate, we can top up a little bit. Yeah. We really like to have that natural ferment. You know, natural natural bite and fizz to it that comes from the fermentation nice. doing it properly really we're dead proud of these beers so and it's i actually really like that it's i would say it's a modest level of carbonation which actually it really pleases me because one thing that makes me cross about a pilsner is you know you finish here and 15 minutes later it's still sort of repeating on you because it's just too, you know too heavily carbonated and this is not that this is uh just got a light tickle which is uh which is lovely 
Yeah, good. I say we're really happy. It absolutely flies out in the bars and say, we've just got these cans done for Christmas. So we're really happy with the way they're selling and, and mm-hmm. tasting. It's really satisfying to take a four pack of pills in the home. You know, it's it's just one of those things that, you know, not a lot of people do. Sure. Nice. So I think the best way to tee up the COVID story for Blackjack is to ask you to, to sort of give us a bit of a pricey of an absolutely epic blog post on your website, um, which is entitled <laughs> 14 Months of Challenge. So I don't want all the sort of chapter and verse on it because it will uh, it's going to leave people in tears and everybody would have switched off before they get to the end. So, so you know, try and, <laughs> try and oh, give I'll... us the, uh, the upbeat version of it. But it's, my goodness, what a tale of woe. I don't think, you know, in 80, this is, you'd be episode 86 of this podcast. I don't think I've heard such a harrowing COVID story from anybody else yet. So, um, you know, sort of, you know, sort of foreshadowing here. So, uh, yeah, let's get into you, it, Darcy. Yeah, so I, I mean, obviously, for everyone in the industry, whether you're hospitality production or wholesale selling drain or malt, or if you're just a general person, the big elephant in the room is COVID. Yep. And we've had a bit, we've had a bit of a time. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Yes. <laughs> um, we the, the story is that um, essentially at the, the end of 2019, we ordered a brand new 15 barrel brewery. Right. So brand spanking top of the range. Say it was going to see us through the next 15 years. Yeah. Exciting times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really, really exciting. And mm. then in the 14th of February, Valentine's day, mm. we put down our deposit of over 115,000 pounds into the bank account. Great stuff. We'll be brewing in six months. Yeah. What was it? Seven days later, all the pubs were closed. We were locked yep. down. The world was in a COVID coma and we had some problems, basically. Yes. Um, I think you said, you've, you've asked me about this. If you want to go and read the the full story, I've done a, a big tale of woe on the website. <laughs> we'll do, I think I'll get the links and stuff in, but yep. head on over to the blog and you can read my, my tale of woe to get all of the details and juicy stuff and bits and pieces like that. But essentially what we ended up with, you're saying we used to run the Glassworks Wholesale. Yep. We were supplying loads of beer all over the north of England. On that day where the pubs closed, we were holding around £100,000 worth of craft beer in can, oh keg, bottle yep. and cask. Mm. Now, we, we'd taken a decision for whatever reason the month prior to actually run down our small pack stocks. So most of that was in nine gallon casks, 50, uh, 50 litre kegs and 30 litre key kegs. <clears throat> With every pub in the country closed um, and with all the staff sent home, we had to find a bit of a solution for it. So we couldn't do anything until we'd sorted this out because we've been working with all these breweries for so long. Yeah. Just couldn't let them down by not paying them. No. You know, that's that. I mean, taking £100,000 out of the cash flow of some of the best breweries in the country. So we started a process to save ourselves and save them. Um, We started small packing it ourselves and we were doing bagging boxes for cask. Yeah, on the same day and delivered the same day, we were doing mini ke- uh, mini kegs, counter pressure filled from all the kegs, and we. Long story short, we got it sorted with a lot of help from everybody. Yeah, and we paid everyone back, and that was great. Fantastic. Yep. Problem is, by this point, our brewery had been delayed. We'd had uh, obviously there'd been problems with production, getting hold of materials, so we'd had our pushback from September of 2020 all the way into the new year. And there's not much we could do about it. No. We pushed on still. We were like, that's fine. We'll carry on. We still had the old faithful marble kit probably coming into its 30th year by that point. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I always say it was a bit of a sort of steampunk 
Trigger's <laughs> Broom Brewery because every bit had been replaced twice. So I'm not sure yeah. what was original anymore. I love the Trigger's Broom analogy. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd, uh, yeah, we carried on brewing and doing what we could. Yeah. When we the lockdowns eased, obviously in Manchester, we had the local lockdowns and the tier system. We got basically closed for most of the year. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Old Faithful Brewery died on us in uh, late October 2020, Mm -hmm. a clear three and a half months before we were even due to receive our new brewery. So the Old Faithful died. We had a a catastrophic destruction of the burner. And it was, we we had got an engineer out and he said, oh, 20 grand to fix that. And you just can't, you can't absorb those costs. But we were still there with our 11 staff, all Mm -hmm. the original staff. We'd not let anyone go. I mean, trying to get as much work as we can whilst relying on the, the furlough scheme as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was pretty horrible. And all yeah. this time, you know, we'd, we'd lost the brewery. We're going into Christmas with some small backpack we'd already arranged. All this time, we're playing for a new brewery floor to go in. Right. The floor had to be surveyed and dug up and relayed. Yeah, almost the most expensive part of the brewery build. Exactly. Well, I mean, the brewery, I don't think any of the chaps will mind me saying the brewery's on credit, but the floor, you can't do a five year credit term for, you know, for £70,000 worth of flooring and the electrics all being dragged out whilst we can't produce produce anything mm. well we got through we got through to the new year and mm. it was brilliant in january there's loads of pictures on the blog you can see it all coming in i was very happy and beaming we got it all laid in uh, and installed slowly and it was all all going to be brilliant all going to be brilliant all in ready you know you're surrounded by after all that time and all all the effort and energy you're finally surrounded by in the same unit that we were originally surrounded by a hundred thousand pounds worth of casks slowly going yep. off that same unit now have been converted into one of the most top of the range, 15 barrel brews. Yeah, super, super flat towering, floor as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, new floor, all towering above you. Like mm. everything's going to be brilliant. We've got, we've got it all ahead of us now. You know, it's, it's all, it's all going to be brilliant. But unfortunately, as we came out of lockdown, it became evident that we were going to have some issues with our uh, gas supply for the yeah. brewery. It's not just for six. It's it's something I can't go into a great deal of detail. There's a bit more that I can say, say on the blog. You can have a look. Just because we are still now in December 2021 dealing with solicitors and litigation. Wow. Long story short, we were not allowed to have uh, liquid petroleum tanks installed for our steam generator. Right. Despite the company that, was, that we're going to do it and manage it for us have done it in several breweries near and the same positioning in other places. Yeah. Next to archways, exactly the same distancing with all of the same sort of terms and conditions. So, yeah. so there's a bit more detail, but you know, we're, no, we're still in litigation over this. Yeah. So we had to um, mm-hmm. think fast and we worked with Gravity Systems, who have been brilliant. They are the engineers from Peterborough yeah. that did all the engineering for our kits. Worked with them and they pulled a blinder on us because it was like, what do you do with a steam powered kit without any steam? <laughs> and they came up with the, you know, this, the whole thing's bloody designed to, run on steam and yeah. they came up with this kind of brilliant idea it's on the front of most sort of most tanks you have the sort of we've got um rectangular manways right on the front of the vessels yeah yeah and on the copper we've got the same okay. so what they did is they they took away the plates mm-hmm. and they installed on that plate um three massive kilowatt elements heating elements right so they without having to destroy the fabric of the tank right They've yeah. actually in, in, we've converted us to electric. Nice, yeah. Which has saved the day, really. Right. 
and I won't say that it's ideal. We want to be on Steam. That's why we're still fighting and, you know. Yeah, of course. Paying yeah. lawyers to speak to each other. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's saved our bacon. But you're Absolutely brewing. Massively. You're brewing. We're brewing. Yeah. And yeah. I say, I'd, 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 you know, I think the beers, we have to do a little bit of changes over, but I think I think the beers are tasting great. I don't this think it's affecting yeah. us too Definitely. much. Yeah. yeah. And say, we're, we've brewed, we're over 100 guiles on the new kit now. Okay. We're really so, dialing yeah, you, it in. You've you fully worked out the kinks and, uh, yeah, cracking with them. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah, here we are. Hopefully, we'll we'll fight. We'll carry on the good fights, and we'll get back on Steam. And then I'll have to redo all of my recipes because it'll be a completely different process. Which I'm yeah, of course, to. that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, that's all that you know. The creativity of the brewer will, will shine through. Hopefully, <laughs> every time or almost every time. Um, well, that that lived up to the billing, I think, as a as a pretty outstanding tale of woe. But I love the fact that you you know you're able to keep a smile on your face, and the lights are still on, and the business is hopefully in a position to drive forward, depending on what we're faced with in the in 2022. But um, yeah, it can't be, it, it, can it get any worse? I don't think so. I, can't, I don't think it can get any worse for you anyway. So uh, no, we've, we've seen the edge of the abyss. I don't think anything's going to surprise us now. No. I mean, you can quote me on that in six months, I think, but. <laughs> Well, with the promise that the second half of the conversation, Darcy, is going to be more forward-looking and positive than the the, the, fir- the the first half, and you know, I think we've hopefully got some some really good things to talk about. Let's take a short break. This week in craft beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials and most importantly the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com So, I'm back with Darcy from Blackjack for the second half of the show. Darcy, let's crack straight back into it and have you tell me what makes Blackjack different. What is it you're doing to stand out in the amazing but quite crowded Manchester craft beer scene? Well, I think this is the difficult one, isn't it? It's uh, give away all your secrets in one in uh, one question. But um, for us, I think we've alluded to like um, Blackjack's always had a bit of a sort of symbiotic relationship with the wholesale market that then links us through to links us through to the other breweries. I mean, that doesn't happen anymore because we've had to step down from that. Right. But we've also, I think we don't think we've really touched on it yet, is that we also operate um, three market bars and we have a freehold pub and the yes. Blackjack Brew Tap is about to make its triumphant return this Saturday. Fantastic, yeah. And that is a big part of what we do. It's an interesting symbiosis that, you know, we have these market bars which appeal to so many people and the, the Smithfield in, in Manchester is our, yeah. is our tap house and something we're very proud of. Mm. Working together with the bars to provide an environment that everyone wants to go to right. starts at the brewery. So what, what we do, which I don't think many breweries tend to, is we really go for a big range of styles. Yeah. And it's one of the main things I think we've touched on. You know, We've said with like the Pilsner that we started off with, that was a big lead on to what the equipment that we bought right. was like. You know, we, we've, we've added in super chilling um, systems. So we're using our glycol chiller right. to get our beer um, right down to sort of four degrees fermentation if we need to. And that's an expense that we've put in. Sure. But the range that we do from these Pilsners and we do a Helles Lager, we do um, the beer we're going to come on to in a moment. Yep. But we also do sours, bitters, stouts, imperial stouts, barrel aged, saisons are coming, they're on the way. Right. And we do that because we work with the bars. Right. We've got, let's say we've got, on the, I mean, above the Smithfield today, um, 
in my horrible little office. But downstairs, you know, we've got we got six wickets down there for the hand pulls and we've got 10 beer lines at the back. Yep. We want to self-supply and show off what we do. Okay. So we will put on two lagers that we make. We will put on a golden bitter. We've got a British export stout. We've got a track, a stout collab on at the moment. Nice. We've got our Damson and Slow kettle sour on keg at the moment. That's good. Yeah. We've got need some organ- of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's really good seasonal, that one at the moment. Lovely, yeah. Um, we've got the Augment Me, which is a more contemporary, modern, unfine pale ale, which I've uh, sent some over for. Yes. Yep. Those in the cans as well. We've got a big old range from small beers to sours to saisons to pilsners. And we are really proud of that. Right. And more importantly, we're proud that we do things to the style. Yeah. A great deal of effort goes into us producing a Pilsner, Pilsner Pivo, for instance, yep. that we had to begin with. And really looking at where those hops come from, what the style is. And Kieran, our head brewer, has got massive amounts of experience in yeast handling. And mm-hmm. he's worked 10 years um, with with his dad and being a head brewer in, uh, in Windsor and Eton. Oh yeah, great. Uh, before yeah. he came to us. And it's it's about having those styles. It's about making a West Coast pale ale mm-hmm. that is of the correct ABV. It's got the right style hops. It's got the Cascadian sea style hops in it. Right. Yeah. It's got, you know, the right amount of bitterness. It's got the right color. It's got the right clarity. It's about mm-hmm. really trying to get this range of beers and have them true to style. Right. Rather than us just having a twist on all the styles, which potentially some other people do. They do, yeah. I, I don't know whether whether that's a good or a bad thing. I guess it depends how well it's executed, doesn't it, ultimately? Um, it's always interesting to taste something new that takes you out of your comfort zone a bit. But on the other hand, it's also great to respect true-to-style brewed beers, you know, that, that are accurately yeah. and brilliantly executed, yeah. So we, we, want, we want you to be able to walk into our pub with five disparate friends from different beery backgrounds. Yep. And you all to walk in and be attracted to something and recognise it. Yep. Even if it's not, you know, you might not recognize our brand or our names, but ah, British Golden Ale with Brewer's Gold. Fantastic. And get that and get something you want. And from there, you can leap off into unfined hazy pails or New England IPAs because you've got the reassurance that we know what we do with a bitter. Yeah. And equally, if we're doing modern styles of beers, I want people to understand that we are making great beer. Yeah. And that maybe they should try something else we do because clearly we're having that level of attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're not doing that, then you're not expanding the craft beer sort of repertoire, you know, both for, for individuals and, you know, everybody just ends up back where we were 20 years ago, which is you go to the pub and you drink 10 pints of the same beer, which is, you know, I'm glad, very glad that we've moved beyond those days, <laughs> at least I have anyway. And <laughs> I think, yeah, I think most people have, but yeah, it's, yep. um, but that's, that's us. And it, it, I'll be honest, it's an absolute bloody nightmare, but it's brilliant. <laughs> There's nothing we'd rather do than just be like, oh, let's just try, you know, the latest thing we can get in T90 hops and throw it into this. Yeah, great malt base that we know works and you know mm-hmm. we can just explore the flavors but we've got venues that we feed back the quality through and you know yep. we have demands on certain styles working in certain areas it's about maintaining stock and i it's boring but absolutely fascinating to try and maintain that and have such a great range of beer in all of the bars and also supply you know trade you know we the brew taps opening, but we do supply other people in trade. And it's yep. interesting to see their feedback on us putting out all these different styles. But what makes us different, I think it's it's that. It's our it's our big push to do two style but big range of beers. Right. The very best of our ability, which isn't necessarily something you see either from big family brewers no. to sort of even microbrewers with their own tap rooms on site. I think it's 
I'd love to show anyone around our bars and show them all the styles. And yes. I love getting feedback. I think it's brilliant. Cool. What percentage of your keg beer do you sell through your own bars then? Um, so we are probably, we're around, I mean, I'm going to lump it in together. I haven't got uh, the full breakdowns, but we'll be around 60% self-supply. Mm-hmm. The brewery tap on the site is due to open in the new year. So that's not, I don't think we're going to add 10% on that, but you know, that'd be a bit mm-hmm. more still, but the yeah. rest 40% is going out to trade wholesalers right. and the web shop. And you know, it's, it's a fair old whack of beer, I'd say. But it doesn't make it outside sort of the northwest i guess with that not that it should i mean it's great if you can sell it locally then then why why would it need to but i i, I don't ever recall seeing one of your beers on keg in the southeast but maybe i'm not drinking um, the right bars i mean hopefully we'd like to see that change obviously we've got a new brewery new management's come in and covid and we've changed everything we changed the beers i mean the st- staff are all here working their asses off I but bet. yeah i think there's I, what i want people to do is try our beer now right if someone's had blackjack over the last 10 years, yep. it's changed from day one to day, year five to year 10. Right. You know, I'd like people to try our beers now and give us feedback and let us know. It's very easy. You know, it's, we're one of the sort of early, uh, early second wave craft brewers, as I call it, in, yeah. in Manchester. You know, yep. we've been going 10 years and it, it's very easy for the latest greatest to knock us off the, mm. the lists, etc. But all we're after is getting people to drink good beer. So, yeah people to try them we, we do distribute via um pig's ears i'm sure they won't mind us doing the no. name drop for the bars no, sure. but you say it's it's a drop in the ocean to the southeast a couple of pallets is you know yeah it doesn't go very far no doesn't go so, very far between the whole southeast i'd say no i've <laughs> been they, to a smithfield um, by the way a few years ago I, I don't honestly don't remember what i drank there i probably should have uh apologized should i look on untapped before we started speaking to uh to check that but I, I did i spent a very pleasant evening at the smithfield market in i want to say 2017 i think yeah yeah first um, few years yeah good you know nice vibe there nice nice spot um yeah and that has what we were going back to was well don't want to stick on everything for too long for you but <laughs> going back to you know the range that's what mm. makes the smithfield great is you've got mm. people in that just want to come and smash five pints of lager and go home and you've got yeah, people look and that's, that's share a bottles <laughs> and that's what i love about it i think it's brilliant god bless those people because they're keeping the pubs open aren't they you know <laughs> if we all, all us punts is only drinking thirds of craft beer is not you know, not going to keep the lights on in many pubs is it? i'm afraid but <laughs> not in city center breaks it won't i'll tell you that no, no <laughs> um that's a good answer Darcy. i'm happy with that let's touch on the next beer this is No Time for Conscious Thought, 6.8% New England IPA. Tasty notes say 30 grams per litre of our favourite hops, Simcoe, Equinot and Mosaic Cryo. you find a huge hit of orange with a squeeze of passion fruit and a dash of lemon on the nose. A pillowy thick malt base with a palate coating kit of sticky hops. This is brilliant. Absolutely gorgeous flavours. I love the bitterness in it, um, which I wasn't expecting for a New England IPA, but I really appreciate it nonetheless. I think I'm sort of i wouldn't say i'm over sweet new england ipas but i'm not they don't please me as much as they did a little while ago i need that bitterness now and i think uh, brewers realize that as well i mean this is not rocket science and i'm stating here but i think you need decent level of bitterness for for these beers to cut it these days and this has definitely got it um lovely dense fruit flavors with with the simcoe and, and the equinot great um great hops and mosaic cryo as well really terrific just a really really nice new england ipa yeah great beer well, yeah, I mean, thank you. I guess this is sort of layering everything on here a bit thick, but this is the other end from the Pilsner that we started. Yeah, with. absolutely. It's, this beer, I'll be honest, this will be the... There was three guiles before this one. 
okay. One of those guiles didn't even make it into the copper because we weren't happy with what was happening in the, the mash. That's yeah, a shame. One of the guiles, again, we had another issue and we just weren't happy with it and it went. Mm. And then we had another guile that made it to fermenter and we weren't hitting the yield. So this is a long, hard-fought beer. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm appreciating it even more then for that, that amount of effort. <laughs> and quite honestly, that amount of cost that's gone into it. Good God. Yeah, well, I mean, you keep the hops off the end of it because it's all late yeah, hop true. basically on this. But yeah, it's still true, a hell yeah. of a lot of malt. And, you know, still, you, yeah. you try and telling a brewer that you've cancelled their, uh, their brew day. After they've mashed in and they have to dig out a mash tun without <laughs> making any beer, they're not going to be very happy with you. I'll tell you that. Not the third you time it, you tell them. Anyway. Not the third time you tell them exactly. Um, so what I mean with this beer on the old marble kit, it was an open top fermenter system yep. with basic, you know, Grundy tanks. It was very steampunk. It'd probably make it into like a Harry Potter film, you know, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Yeah, it was yeah. all very picture it, yeah, all sort of the odds. And that open top nature of it meant that we could never make anything like this. It's no. been the New England style beer sort of, we've not been able to do it. So we've not, we've not done a bad one because there's good. no point. Everyone's that, making, yeah. everyone's making great beer. So buy the good beer. Don't buy our one because we've had a go and it's crap. <laughs> um, so we didn't bother quite frankly. And say so this new kit allowed us to do it and it's allowed us to do the styles. And yeah, we're very happy with this. This is also a story really of Manchester brewing to an extent. It's right. We've took advice from everyone that would talk to us, which is everybody in Manchester, let's yeah. face it. We can speak to, you've got Track, you've got Cloudwater, you've got Squawk, you've got, you know, Wonder Beyond putting out high gravity beers. You've got, I mean, Runaway around the corner from us. Yep. We've got uh, Beatniks Republic smashing out. Yeah. Thousands Those of cans guys, of yeah. hazy beers. Yeah. Let alone, you know, there's, I mean, how many more? There's loads all over the place. I'm mm. sure everyone will be offended at Alphabet. Alphabet, um, yeah. You know, no, you know, you've got yeah. all throwing out brilliant beers, modern beers that started well after we have. So we spoke to as many as would speak to us, as I said, which was all of them. Yeah. And some of them came down and I can't really say who, but, you know, we've we've had great help with this. And that's testament to the beer industry. Yeah. And the oh, people that work in it, the owners, the, the staff and everything. So this was great to make. And we're very, very happy with this beer. Good. No, you should be. I, 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 this... I, I expected you to, you know, being the age of your brewery, I expected you to brew really good bitters and really good pails and really good lagers. I wasn't expecting your New England IPA to taste as good as this. I've certainly had blackjack beers before, but not lately. And this is as nice a contemporary example of a New England IPA as you could find. So it's great brewing and um, you know, I'm thrilled that this, this is as good as it is. So, uh, you know, hats off to you, I would say. Thank you very much. So we're, we're planning on being around for a long time, so... Yeah, you've got to adapt and change and have this sort of outlook on it. And mm. yeah, thank you very much, Robert. So it's very, really, really appreciate that. Awesome. We've been getting great, great, great feedback on it. It's absolutely stinks, doesn't it? <laughs> I just got it up to my nose. It has amazing <laughs> spells. Yeah, no, I love it. It stinks, but in a great way. Yeah, in, the, in a way that craft beer aficionados would really appreciate. Yeah, so it's a shame you don't get that aspect of the sensory experience from a podcast. But I would recommend if anybody can get their hands on a can of this or whatever comes after this from you guys on the New England side, then they will not be disappointed, I'm sure, about that. I think this leads me nice, quite nicely into um, talking about IPA for India, which was, oh, yeah. um, is a project that I have to confess I didn't know much about before I read your again on your blog about that. So uh, tell me how you got involved with that and it was, uh, give us a background to, to that project to start with. Yeah, so IPA for India was, there was a, a couple of weeks where we were getting absolutely horrific news stories and video coming out of India with the yes. crisis they were having oh, with absolutely. mostly oxygen concentrators. And it wasn't necessarily people dying of SARS-CoV-19. Yeah. It was people not being able to access the basics of oxygen 
yeah. or being able to get to places. Yeah, to... because so many people live so remotely, don't they, in India? Yeah. yeah, it was an unfurling disaster, which really hit home to me. I've got fairly severe asthma, COPD. Right. Um, I had COVID and I nearly got hospitalised. Wow. So it really, really hit me. It hit a nerve for me, I should say. Yes. Yeah. Particularly. And the amazing, I think it was on um, the Craft Beer Professionals Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. There's Libby from Goff's Brewery, who I'll be honest, I'd never heard of before. No. And they're a fairly traditional five barrel kit, I believe. Okay. And she said, I can't stand to see this. I can't believe it's going on. We should do something about it. Nice. And within yeah. 48 hours, there was about 11 breweries. Mm-hmm. And we'd all agreed, let's make a charity beer and all the money raised can go straight to a suitable cause in India. Right. to make an effective change. Brilliant. Yeah, and we discussed, we came with a fairly heritage style. Yeah, so uh, it had to be, didn't IPA. it, really? It would need to be a traditional IPA, you know, such that we used to, we used to ship to India. Yeah, and I think I've said, I've said to a few people about this, it's like we could discuss forever the lineage and the, the rightful place of, I, you know, the colonial history and all the rest of it. But at the time, we just wanted to hit something home and get it done and get it out. And yep. you know, the time for debate came afterwards, and it was quite nice to see that happen. But we, yeah, we put out a fairly traditional one. We did a bit of a twist on it. We added some mango and cardamom to ours. Okay. So it sweetened it up and gave it a bit of bite, which went nice. down really well. Yeah. But yeah, we were others, us and the 11 other breweries, we basically worked with Chris Malting, who we use for our malts. Right, yeah. Charles Fairham, who are our main hop supplier. Right, yeah. Who supplied, they both supplied discounted specific malts and hops for us. Nice. So we had the Chevalier uh, malts, the heritage style that they yep. They do, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, we used um, uh, we used the Goldings mix for the hops, and they, they were brilliant. They gave us discounted rates on those so we could make more money. And then we worked with a few other suppliers. We had, I believe it was Color Scan helped us with the free labels. We had designers, and everyone was jumping on it, and it was absolutely fantastic. Brilliant, yeah. And we donated £50 per container that went out, so whether it was a 30-litre keg or a nine-gallon cask, we sold it all. And we raised, um, we donated in the end just over £3,300. Just us. Yeah. I think we're at 11 breweries. Brilliant. Give us a bit of an overview of the difference between your pubs and your retail. So, so you, you know, as you say, you've got the Smithfield Market there, you'll have the brewery tap opening. What the, the, the other, you've got two other venues apart from that. Is that right? So we've got three. So we've got, let's say, the Smithfield. It's only it's our free house that we have. We own, operate, and we do everything here. Yeah. And that is in 100% wet lead. So that's just. Beer yeah. and booze and DJ nights and backgammon and chess and, mm. you know, all, all the good stuff. Nice. So, yeah, that operates as a pub and it's open to everybody and it's it's very inclusive. Yep. We then operate market bars, of which we've got three. Okay. So, literally next door, and this isn't by planning, it's just happenstance, next door to the Smithfields. Yep. There's the old livestock and then fruit and veg market from yep. Manchester mm-hmm. called the Mackie Mare. Right, which I've also been in, yep, because you yep. couldn't come to Smithfield without going in there. <laughs> oh, if you, yeah, well, you know, it's it's it, you've got within metres of each other two brilliant yep. buildings, in my opinion. We just happen to operate in them. I'd recommend them if anyone was doing it. Um, Definitely. But yeah, the Mackie Bear next door, and that is, um, it's a market-style operation. Yep. So there is approximately eight or nine food retailers in yeah, there. Yeah, really good choice of food in there, yeah. The rule is it's got to be independent and it's got to be, where possible, British or local. Nice. So we've, yeah. got, we've got Honest Chris Pizzas, again, long-time friends with Blackjack from 2012 right. all the way back. You've got everything if you want bao, if you want barbecue, if you want fried chicken sandwiches, you'll get some of the best you'll ever get in the UK, Lovely. made locally by all independents. And we're very lucky to be... Oh, it's been a lot of work. Actually, no, we've, we've put in a lot of work. We're yeah. also very lucky to operate the, the beer for the venue. Right. So again, 
it comes back to this idea of we've got the world of food in front of us, yeah, locally sourced where possible. We need to offer the same food pairings beer. for everything there. Yeah, exactly. So we can't yeah. just come in and have a load of bitters on. No. As much as some of our brewers would like that, we can't go in and have just East Coast neepers and juice beers on. As much as some of our brewers would like that, yeah. it's a bit of a, a balancing act to help pair with that food for the experience for people that walk in. Nice. They probably never even know that our brewery exists. You know, it's it's it, people are always somewhat shocked that it's our beer in there. Well, that's nice as well because it, hopefully that's bringing in a constant flow of people that are new to blackjack and maybe even new to craft beer, and you know that that's a, hopefully a positive experience that they can. Uh, take away with them and you know look out for you elsewhere yeah but i mean we've also only got the other two which is there's uh the original one the original bar that started it was mm-hmm. in altringham in altringham market okay and we've been there now for coming up to eight years and it might be oh. one year out there so that's that venue there and these are all called jack in the boxes because it's blackjack right. and we get right. a tiny little bar to operate out of where we have okay. to have storage tills cellars cooling so we've we've built working with kate's cool and a few other companies we've got Behind the bar, you can see all the kegs and casks. They're right. all in fridges because we yeah. just literally have no room. Nice. Tiny little box and we pump loads of beer out of it and everyone has a great old time. But I'd highly recommend people have a look at, yeah, Mackie Mare. Yep. The Altrium Market, just Google that. You'll find loads of brilliant pictures of it. Yep. It's well worth it. It's got a brilliant food and beer scene has grown up around the Altrium one now. It's been there for long enough. It's established itself. Right. Great place to sort of satellite out from Manchester. Yeah, food and drink, brilliant. You can get the, you can get the Metrolink actually from the city centre out to there. Okay, nice. And then we opened another one in Macclesfield, which is the yeah the London Express trains. The stop before Stockport is Macclesfield. Right. So right two yeah. stops, 20 minutes away from the city centre in Manchester on the, the fast trains. Yeah. You'll find Macclesfield, sort of a, an ex-cotton town, so loads of factories and yeah. sort of Victorian, post-Victorian buildings. And we've got our bar in there, rather than being a market hall environment, it's called the Picturedrome. It's the old uh, cinema. Hmm. So it's an old sort of post-war Ooh. cinema and we the same vibe in there. You know, we've got our bar and, again, all different food traders. It's very exciting sort of to work in that. It's pretty brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. What's the best place for people to get their hands on electric beers? So we've already said the retail outlets. So that's yep. the the Smithfield Tavern on Swan Street, Manchester. Mm-hmm. Next door to the Mackie Mare, also on Swan Street, Manchester, yep. um, divided by Coop Street, if you want to have a look on Google Earth or whatever. Yep. Uh, we've also got then the Brewery Tap, which opens in January of this year. You'd have to check our social media for the brewery yep. for that to see when it's actually going yep. to open. We've got the Picturedrome in Macclesfield, which is on mm-hmm. Chestergate. And we've got Altrincham Market, which is Altrincham Market Hall. It's two minutes walk from the station. For now, if people are wanting to get hold of you know, the beers we've had today and mm-hmm. some of the bits and bobs, they can get on the website and it's blackjack-beers.com and they mm-hmm. can have a look at our web shop. Doing mixed cases, we're going to launch a lot of Christmassy bits and bobs in the next couple of days. Right. So by the time this comes out, it'll all be flowing out the door. So I thought it'd be nice to get some more beer out if we do a 15% discount to any of you listening. Um, you just put in T-W-I-C-B uh, into the coupon code at mm-hmm. checkout and it will knock 15% off anything you order from there. Fantastic. I will keep it running for as long as people use it. Awesome. So well, I will that, say that. Yeah. Well, that's very generous. Thanks for that. And, you know, I just, I, and I'm uh, sounding a bit like a broken record, but if people, you know, are looking for a really... Uh, excellent example of a modern new england ipa then they should get their hands on uh, no time for conscious thought because yeah, i think it's absolutely terrific at 6.8 percent really punchy great flavors lovely bitterness so yeah um, grab some while it's still still in stock all right thank you very much for that it's very generous right we're in the home straight 
let me ask you the first of the two wrap-up questions, and this is what I call the shout out to the little guy. And here I'm looking for you to name one or more small local beer businesses, local to Greater Manchester, I guess, that you think are doing an outstanding job promoting independent craft beer. Um, and that doesn't have to be a brewery or a pub or a tap room. It might even be a restaurant, cafe, a bottle shop, just people that are focused on independent craft beer. So for me, I'm going to look very close to where I live. Um, right. I live in Levensham, South Manchester. So, yep. you know, those that know the dreaded 190, that's about 30 minutes on the bus outside of the city centre. And in Levensham, there's been one bar open for eight years. And I know one, I will bet you £100 that no one will have said Fred's Ale House in Levensham. Okay. It's a fairly unassuming but I tell you what they do is they, they've been supporting Blackjack for years and they've been supporting local breweries by putting their casks on. Nice. Yep. You'll get the football on, you'll get music on and DJ nights and pizzas and all kinds of things going on alongside tequila shots and everything else. But you can walk in there and they will have six wickets of great local beer on. Perfectly and presented, yeah. yeah. Presented well. And I think it's... They're under underappreciated for what they do. Nice. So nice. I think, you know, if you're going to, someone that's not been represented, I'd say Fred's Ale House on the A6 in Levenshoe. I like that. The other one, and I say these might have been mentioned before, but again, it's someone that Blackjack's grown up around and with and we've right. worked closely with, and that would be Grub. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've, you've experienced them or anyone's mentioned I what they do. I maybe, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, so Grub, that's Jules and Bailey have been running Grub, which is a street food market, and mm-hmm. they've been kicked from pillar to post by developers giving them and taking space away from them. Mm-hmm. But they've now got a semi-permanent home on Red Bank, just up the road from the brewery. Nice. They organise community events. They keep everything they do independent and local. Mm-hmm. They have 15 to 20 keg lines on, awesome. all local, all independent, keep an eye on the scene. Yeah. They support local food makers and suppliers and staff and they work incredibly hard and they had such a horrible two years through covid that they only ever thought of other people and getting their staff paid so if you're every manchester wants something to eat great food grub at red bank google them grub manchester they are outstanding and well done to them lovely all right well thanks for that no that's a great uh, recommendation brilliant then we are at the ultimate question and this is, what would be your ultimate happy hour? I need to know where you would be, who you'd be with, and most specifically, what beer you would be drinking. Now, I don't want to be too self-serving, but I kind of have to, because I get yeah. some coming back to this idea. I get some coming back to this idea, and it's, it's when, when we established the Smithfields, and so I was one of the directors that started that before we moved on. Yeah. There was one afternoon... And I would love to recreate it. And we'd worked so hard at the brewery and the old brewery and say it was, it was back in the day and the pub hadn't been done up to the level it is now. It was a right. bit sort of, you know, put together with hopes and dreams. And, <laughs> you know, the beer was fantastic. And I stood there and I, I looked, but I sort of stepped away from yourself. You know, yeah. we focus incredibly hard on work and a project or something. And then the brilliant thing about beer in many ways, it, it makes you think of something else, especially right. if you're know, making it. So I sort of lay, stood back and leant against the pool, the billiards table yeah. with my pint. And I looked up and I suddenly realized that there was probably 100 people in the Smithfield all having a brilliant time. There was an yeah. old man playing the piano. 
<laughs> you know, like he's doing some cockney tunes or whatever. You know, yep. there's people eating like the locally made pies we've done, and people were drinking beer and having a great time. And it just, you know, when you just sort of have that brilliant moment of enjoyment in a pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, it was a real joy to me mm-hmm. that you do all this work and you don't, a lot of people in the beer industry, and you say you speak to all of them. I guess many of them don't go, why do you get into beer? And they go, oh, well, for the balance sheet. Ultimately, the balance sheet does, you know, it matters. Well, it's got to be, yeah, it's got to pay the bills. It's got to, you've got to pay the bills. Um, but you get into beer for moments like that. And it's like, that's when I read that as, what's your happy hour? It'd be redoing that. And it does happen occasionally where you just catch something you've helped create yeah. with a product people are really enjoying mm. Without, you know, they don't know you're there. No, and you're just, but you're just observing and you're saying, yeah, you know, that encapsulates everything we're trying to accomplish with with this business or this beer or this hospitality venue. Yeah, nice. And that's that's that would be my ultimate happy hour. And every now and then I catch a little well, 10 minutes of it in these mm. venues or you see someone or you talk to someone like yourself and you, mm. you, know, you have a lasting memory of really enjoying it. Mm. Um, and that's what I would like to do. Now, the beer I'm drinking... It's going to be cask, obviously. Sure. My heritage. Yeah. It's where I come from spiritually in beer. <laughs> I'm going to have a pint of Hawk's Head Windermere Pale from okay. 2018. Oh, that was quite recent. Yeah, yeah. I thought so you might I'm be reaching back a bit further in your, mm, in your journey I mean, than I, that. Yeah. You, could put, you could put a fine ales jar on there maybe mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You could possibly put an early harvest pale from Castle Rock. Right. We're talking the same game here of low ABV pale ales with a load of citra in them, basically. Right, yeah, which is <laughs> hot from the gods, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, especially in a cast beer, yeah. So I'd have a pint of that. Mm. I would be in my little time capsule bubble of repeating the same little moment of inflection mm. of, God, this is narcissistic, isn't it? Sorry. No, but yeah, no, I love right. it. I just yeah. felt it, it, this is what sort of gets you up in the morning to it is, yeah. do these things. And yeah. I would have with me, I would have my new fiance Dawn, who I asked nice. to marry me the other day. Fantastic! Well, congratulations. I know we we were trying to schedule this podcast from the week before last, weren't we? And one of the days I suggested was uh, was the auspicious day where you had that plan. So, so congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, if I had to cancel that, it would have been a nightmare. But yeah, yeah, no, have, I think that would have ended well, to be honest with you. So, I'm glad, I, glad I managed to get out of the way of that. <laughs> Anyway, I think we are done, Darcy. Um, real pleasure to chat to you. Different sort of business from from some that I, I speak to on this podcast. I love the fact that you've got the, the, the heritage that you do. Really interested to see how your business develops in the next year or two, hopefully as we emerge from the, the misery of COVID and get back to sort of normal trade. And I hope you guys get the distribution business back on its feet as well, because that I think gives you a different angle and a different perspective on the market. But yeah, absolute pleasure. Loved both your beers, especially the uh, the New England IPA. I think is really spectacular. And thank you. wish you every success. I will look you up next time I'm in the uh, Manchester area. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. It's been really nice. Commencing in the spring of 2022, This Week in Craft Beer will be running meticulously curated long weekend tours to the world's most exciting craft beer cities in partnership with some of the UK's leading craft breweries. Destinations will include New England, Brooklyn, Miami and Brussels. If you fancy joining a small tour party led by a leading UK craft brewer as we experience a packed long weekend of meet the brewer and tutor tastings 
at some of the leading craft breweries on the planet, please pay close attention to our newsletter and website 